And as you are, let me ask you please uh, to turn to uh, the scripture to 1 John in chapter 3, please. Or to read, begin, beginning with verse 11, 1 John chapter 3, please. Upon finding that, let's pray together. Father, we now have our Bibles open, and some with real actual books and others on certain devices, but here we have, we're looking at an amazing gift. We're looking at the Word of God right in front of our eyes, in our hands. Enable us now, please, I pray, to listen well. To see, perceive, understand all that's here for us. That we may be people that bear the mark of salvation upon us. The mark of loving one another. This I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. First John chapter 3 verse 11. This is the word of the Lord. For this is the message that you've heard from the beginning that we should love one another. We should not be like Cain, who was of the evil one and murdered his brother. Why did he murder him? Because his own deeds were evil and his brother's righteous. Do not be surprised, brothers, that the world hates you. We know that we have passed out of death into life because we love the brothers. Whoever does not love abides in death. Everyone who hates his brother is a murderer, And you know that no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. By this we know love, that he laid down his life for us. And we ought to lay down our lives for the brothers. But if anyone has the world's goods and sees his brother in need, it closes his heart against him. How does God's love abide in him? Little children, let us not love in word or talk, but in deed and truth. And then together we say, the grass withers, and the flower falls, but the word of the Lord remains forever. Excuse me. <coughs> Thank you. <clears throat> it's no surprise, really, that when we open the Bible, we hear that we're supposed to love. Uh, I don't think that even would surprise an unbeliever if they came to the Bible. In fact, I think if you asked them, what would you expect to find in the Bible? I think the answer would be we'd expect to find that we're supposed to love. And, and, and surely, remember, when uh, they came to Jesus and said, what's the greatest commandment? He said, it's to love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And the second is like this very one, that we're to love our neighbor as ourselves. In fact, when the Apostle Paul begins to write, and he writes to the church in Rome, he says to them that love fulfills the law. Later, he'd write to the church in Galatia, and he would, he would say to them that circumcision and uncircumcision doesn't count for anything. The only thing that really counts is faith working through uh, love. Uh, when he lists out the fruit of the Spirit, the uh, evidence, if you will, that the Spirit is at work within us, uh, what we see in our lives because the Spirit of God is at work within us, it begins with love because love is the preeminent virtue. In fact, when he writes of love, the apostle Paul says that if you haven't love, then you're nothing. Uh, So it's no surprise 
that we'd be reading about. But what surprises, at least me, as I read this particular passage, is how John puts it here. Now, first of all, he's concentrating in not just loving everyone in general, not even loving our enemies, but loving each other, loving brothers and sisters in Christ, loving one another. He says, I I want to, to show you how important this is. In fact, if you haven't got it, you don't love each other, then you haven't got Christ. It's that significant, you see. You see, by this we know that we've passed from death to life, that we, that, we, that we love each other. Uh, he, he says he's not telling us anything new here. That's how he starts out. In fact, that's John's mantra throughout this whole epistle. He says, this isn't a new message. This isn't a new message. This isn't a new message. He's, he's saying, you've heard this before from other apostles' teaching. If you'd heard Jesus, you'd have heard it from him. This isn't anything anything new. That's why I always say in our church uh, that we're not here to try to come up with anything new. Uh, This isn't a new message that we preach. Uh, It's always that which is tied to the scripture. Nothing really new here. But it wasn't new, of course. Jesus spoke like this of loving each other back in John chapter 13, verses 34 and 35. We know these verses. A new commandment, Jesus says, I give to you that you love one another just as I have loved you. You are also to love one another. By this, people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. Jesus, that's his command to us, to his disciples. And then in chapter 15 and verse 12, again, Jesus, this is my commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. We're to to love each other. Then verse 17, these things I command you so that you will love one another. Uh, John's been after this before. He's already mentioned love in in, in chapter 2, verse 7. Beloved, I'm writing to you uh, no new commandment, but an old commandment that you had from the beginning. The old commandment is the word that you've heard. At the same time, it's a new commandment that I'm writing to you which is true in him and in you because the darkness is passing away and the true light is already shining. Whoever says he is the light and hates his brother is still in, in darkness. Whoever loves his brother abides in the light and there is no cause, and in him there is no cause for stumbling. But whoever hates his brother is in the darkness and walks in the darkness and doesn't know where he's going because the darkness has blinded, has blinded his eyes. So John has already said, that to be in Christ, to be in the light, is reflected by our love for each other. And if we don't love each other, it means that we really are in darkness. You get that, how significant, important this is. John is laying out for them how it is that we know we're believers. And he says, well, it depends, of course, on the one in whom you believed. You believe in the Jesus, this Jesus, whom the apostles had heard and seen and touched that Jesus. Do you obey him? Do you desire to follow after him? And then do you love one another? This isn't a multiple choice, pick one. This is an all of the above. All must be true of us. And so, so now he comes back to love and he's not using the expressions of light and darkness here. He's talking about love and hate. Talking about 
life and murder. I mean, notice how he puts it in verse 14. He says, we know that we've passed out of, li- out of death into life. You see, that's, that's the sense of being converted. You, you really want to get the sense of what it means to be a Christian. It means that you've gone from death to life. Spiritual death to spiritual life. Do you think about it that way? I know for some of us who've grown up in the church, someone like me, for instance, who can't remember not believing in Jesus, that, 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 that starkness sometimes is, a, is, is missing from my life. I, I, don't, I don't remember the death part of it as much as some do, what it really means to live outside of the true faith in Jesus, you see. But he says that's really what it was. It's nothing short of, 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 of resurrection. Uh, Ephesians chapter 2. Again, very familiar passage to us, I hope. Ephesians in chapter 2 begins like this. And you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked. See, there was no spiritual life in us at all. You were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. You mustn't ever forget that. Outside of Christ, that is what is true of us. Dead. Might be breathing, but we're not really alive. We're dead. But then perhaps as significant two words can be in the scripture, but God. That's true. But God, being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we're dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you've been saved and raised up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. You see, see, there's the resurrection. You're dead, now you're alive. It's, it, it, it's that amazing. It's that stark. It's that dramatic, you see. Uh, that's really true. And, and so you ask the question, well, how do I know that that's really happened? I was breathing before, and now I'm still breathing. So, so what's the difference? How do I, how do I know that? Well, well, in one sense, then, everything changes, just as if you were physically dead to physically alive. Everything changes at that point. You're now aware of all that's real and true. And he says, well, one of the ways that you know that, of course, is by you realize you believe in Jesus. Another is you have this desire to follow after him. The inclinations of your hearts have been changed. But also there is this real sense of love for other believers. Love for other believers. You're desiring all these who are in your new family, you're in theirs, they're in your new family, that you desire what is best for them. Your thoughts go towards them, their needs. You desire to be in family, in relationship with them. So we know that we've passed from life into death because we love the brothers. Whoever does not love the brothers and sisters we put there, abides, lives in death. But then you see, 
he so quickly moves from this, which makes sense to us, then everyone who hates his brother is a murderer, and you know that no murderer has eternal life abiding in, in him. He began this little section as I started reading verse 13 with this expression, the world hates you. We should love each other, brothers and sisters, but we realize not everybody loves us. That the world that is everyone outside of Christ doesn't love us but actually hates us. Again, no new message. Jesus mentioned this first. Flip back, if you have a moment, to John 15 and verse 18. Jesus says to his disciples, that the world hates you, know that it has hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love you as its own, but because you're not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. Remember the word that I said to you, a servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they'll persecute you also. If they kept my word, they will keep yours also. Jesus gets very specific with these disciples in chapter 16, then of John Just moments later, he said, I have said these things to you to keep you from falling away. They will put you out of the synagogues. Indeed, the hour is coming whenever whoever kills you will think he's offering service to God. And they'll do these things because they've not known the Father nor me. But I've said these things to you that when their hour comes, you may remember that I told them to you. Then when Jesus prays for them, he prays, chapter 17, verse 14, I've given them to you, I've given them your word, and the world has hated them because they were not of the world. Now, John uses, would make, think, may seem at first to be a rather peculiar example, illustration, to make his point. He hearkens us back to Cain and Abel, Genesis chapter 4. There's two sons of Adam and Eve, Cain first, then Abel. You, you probably remember that incident, that situation, their, their lives. You remember that, that Cain uh, was a farmer, essentially, toyed, uh, tilled the soil. You mean that Abel was a shepherd, tended the flocks. You remember they brought, both brought a sacrifice to God. You remember that Cain brought from his from his work, this sacrifice from the fields and Abel from the flocks. You also remember that God accepted Abel's sacrifice, but not Cain's. Now, in Genesis, we're not really told why (laughs) that was the case. Now, the author of Hebrews fills us in a bit in Hebrews chapter 11 when he talks about faith, and he said that Abel brought his uh, sacrifice by faith. You get the impression that perhaps Cain didn't, meaning that Abel brought his sacrifice to the Lord not to earn anything from God, but based on the promises of God. Whereas Cain brought his not in faith, saying, accept this and accept me because I'm worthy of acceptance. And so even here we have that we shouldn't be like Cain, who was of the evil one and murdered his brother. And why did he murder him? Because his own deeds were evil and his brothers were righteous. We know that Cain killed Abel. It wasn't because Abel had done something worthy of death, but it was jealousy. It was that God had accepted Abel and not Cain. And when we look at us in the world, we realize there's something similar as well. 
The world hates us because we're associated with Jesus. We're associated with Jesus because we realize we can't. We realize we must submit to him. We realize that he's the Lord. We realize that he's the Savior. We realize that we need him because we can't do it on our own. We can't merit righteousness from God to be accepted by him. Yet the world keeps saying, oh, yes, we can. We really can. Don't tell me we can't. Don't tell me we can't merit with God. I'm good enough. My ways are right enough. As, as long as it's right to me, then it's right. I'm the measure of all things, you see. God should accept me. And we say, no, 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 no. That isn't true for any of us. And then we actually say that we're forgiven our sins and accepted by God and righteous in his sight. As you, I often get into conversations with people about particular issues. And I don't mind getting in conversations about particular issues, whether they be issues concerning life, whether they be issues concerning morality or sexuality or marriage or any of those. I'm happy to talk about those with people. But as, I, as, as the disagreements begin to be shown, I, I often try to move to say, now, you know, this isn't really the biggest thing we disagree about. I believe that Jesus is the Lord. God with us, God in the flesh. We have no life outside of him. Could we talk about that? Because uh, if we, we could maybe even agree on various other points, but then it doesn't really get us anywhere, it seems to me. Oh, it might get us somewhere, but, but not where we need to be. So let's talk about this. This is where we really get to. And that's very often where the heat gets turned Now, it moved Cain to murder his brother. And Jesus says that those who aren't in him are murderers. And you say, well, how can he get from that point of them hating us to being murderers? And, you know, Jesus said, it, it's, not that, it's not that big a stretch. If we turn back to Matthew in chapter 5, in verse 21, in the Sermon on the Mount as we have it, Jesus said, you have heard it that it was said to those of old, you shall not murder, and whoever murders will be liable to judgment. But I say to you that everyone who is angry with his brother will be liable to ju judgment. Whoever insults his brother will be liable to the council, and whoever says you fool will be liable to the hell of fire, you see. Jesus said it begins, murder does, it begins as all other sins. It begins in the heart. It begins with anger. And he said anger may not produce actual physical murder, but it produces murder in your own heart. If you simply step away. And he's cautioning us about that. He's talking about that kind of anger that, that we, need to be, we need to be careful with it. And he says that's what happens with the world. They, they get angry with us and it leads to murder, at least in their heart of us. And he said we mustn't be like that. Rather, we should really love each other. That is, desire 
what's best for the other and, and do all that we can for the well-being of, of one another. We'll see what that takes in a minute, but, but he says we should love each other and not hate each other. He says, he says what happens is that the, the, the disagreements get to such a degree that one looks to the other and just simply says, you fool, which means you, you really don't deserve to be a part of who we are. You don't really deserve, deserve to live. Uh, unbelievers look at us and they see the difference and, and, and very often when we're speaking to them about particular issues, they look at us and say, you fool, you don't really deserve to be part of this culture. You don't really deserve to be part of, of, of our society, of, 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 the, of the, the world in which we live. Well, they may not actually kill us, but they dismiss us. They hate us in that sense. They murder us in, our, in their hearts and he says to the church, you mustn't, you mustn't do that. You know, we get angry with each other. And that can be a very dangerous thing. Think about just the last year. I've read more articles penned by Christians that have this title or one like it. Why am I so angry? during this political season, during this COVID season? Well, yeah, I'm angry at various things and all of that, but I'm also angry at particular people, uh, even other Christians in Jesus. We gotta be really careful here because what marks us out, what makes us different is we actually love each other. And so the question is, in the midst of perhaps real differences, real disagreements, Politically, or how we handle this COVID life together, whether we wear masks or whether we don't, or whether we distance, or whether we don't, or whether we get with this group or whether we don't, or how we work all that out. Still, you see, we must be very, very careful not to murder each other in our hearts because we belong to Jesus. And so what do we need to do? Well, here's how we love. Verse 16 says this, tells us, by this we know love, that he laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for the brothers. See, that's it. We have to die. We have to die for each other. Now, it doesn't happen very often, right? We have to physically give your life for another person. But we have to do that which is good for the other. I remember one time in a counseling session with a husband and wife, uh, the wife looked at her husband and she said, I know you'd die for me, but till that time comes, could you empty the dishwasher, right? I mean, I mean so, so we get that. It's unlikely we're gonna actually give our lives for each other. But in a very real sense, love always requires that we die that we die to something in ourselves. Turn to 1 Corinthians in chapter 13. You know this, we all know this, as the love chapter. Um, it's one of the most challenging passages of Scripture. 
I must never read it at a wedding unless I'm requested to. And that's because it's always read at weddings, and so I try not to do that which is always done. But that's my own sin. I've just confessed. But it can be seen as just sort of a Hallmark card. Please, if you work for Hallmark, I love Hallmark. Uh, but you see my point, just something that just, just, you know, gets sent out and we don't really pay attention to it. But notice verse 1, if I speak in the tongues of men and angels but have not love, I'm a noisy uh, uh, gong or a clanging cymbal. Even if I speak angel, have you ever wondered what that sounded like? But even if I speak angel, it, it isn't that good because it doesn't really matter if I haven't any love. And if I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to remove mountains but have have not love, I'm nothing. If I give away all that I have and if I deliver my body to be burned but have not love, I gain nothing. Now here's what love is. It's patient. In other words, it's long-suffering. It bears with others. um, And it bears with others who quite frankly really aren't getting it. At least I don't think they are. But it bears with them. And in and, and, and all that annoyance still, I don't retaliate. I, I treat them well. I love them. And that means I have to die. I have to die to my own agenda. I have to die to my own timetable. I have to die to some of the things that, you know, wanting everybody to agree with me. I have to die to simply wanting an annoyance-free life, which I really want. But to be patient, you see, means I'm being annoyed, and I mustn't react, but rather do what's best for the other. Love is kind. Love desires the best for the other. Love is, I mean, kindness is generous, you see. It's a generosity of thought to think the best, generosity of, of doing, to do the best thing for the other. It's, it's really wanting the best for the other person, you see. And so I have to die to wanting their attention on me. I, I, have, to, I have to die for wanting the best for me and thinking about me. I have, to, I have to actually think about them. To die to a critical spirit that sees things wrong in them. And, and rather than thinking the best case scenario about that wrong thing, I, I think the worst case scenario about that wrong thing, because I really want them to be put in a bad light. No, 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 no. Kindness says I have to die to myself and love. Love doesn't envy. Rather, love rejoices in the good fortune of another. Love says, look what you have. I'm so happy. Envy says, look what you have, and I want it. Love says, no, 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 no. I'm so happy you have it, even though I don't. I have to die to my own desires. Love doesn't boast. That is, love doesn't want to be envied. (laughs) Love not only doesn't envy, but it doesn't want to envy. And so it doesn't want to say, look at all that I have, and now think well of me. I have to die of, of, of people thinking well of me so that I can really love others. It's not arrogant. It's not prideful to die to my own pride. It's not rude 
One author says that love has good manners. That is to say, love values the image of God in others and treats them as such. I have to die to my desires to put everybody else down so I can be above them. Love doesn't insist on its own way, but love is submissive, love submissive to authority. Love says, I think this is the way it ought to be. You think that's the way it ought to be? I can do that. I don't need to insist on you following my, I can, I can love you. Now, obviously, if you're sinful and that sort of thing, I wouldn't, but I don't need to insist my way. It's not irritable. So glad my wife isn't here right now to hear me say I'm not going to be irritable. One translation, uh, touchy, you know? Just, just things just set you off. Why do things set you off? Because you want things your way. And then all of a sudden it's interrupted. All of a sudden it's not going your way. And so you're irritable with that. And, and you, you can't be long-suffering and patient or resentful. Um, one translation, older translations said that love doesn't keep a record of wrongs. You see, people who take up a record of wrongs do so, so that at any moment's notice, they can call everything up and be quiet because they resent you still. So no, 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 we, we don't keep a record of wrongs so that we're not resentful. I have to die to myself. It doesn't rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. It bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Then John gets very practical. This is about everyone who has the world's goods, sees his brother in need. It closes his heart against him. How does God's love abide in him? Little children, let's not love in word or talk, but in deed and truth, let's really love each other. Just think, please, with me. As I think of my own life and you think of your own life, and particularly, could I lay out the last so many months to us? Because these months have been, I think, at least for me, particularly trying. And you know, sometimes the closer we are, the more irritated we can be with each other. I, I remember sometimes at dinner, I would look at my children and I would say, hey, could we spend some time treating each other like total strangers? Because we're way nicer to total strangers than we're being to ourselves right now happens in families. How do we love each other? Come on. I know we all didn't vote the same way. I know we all don't think the same things about how we ought to respond to this virus. Some of you may disagree with my next statement, but love me. I don't think that's the point, particularly. Not the first point, anyway. I do believe that these last number of months, as our whole lives, but particularly these last number of months, have been a test for us from God, a test to the church. Can you love each other, church? Can you love each other in the midst of upheavals in various sections of our society? Can you love each other in the midst of this virus time? Can you love each other really? 
Well, that doesn't mean we have to agree, and that doesn't mean we don't discuss, and that doesn't mean that it isn't hard. That doesn't mean any of that. That doesn't mean we have to believe lies or this or that or the other thing. But what it does mean is that somehow we have to do this together. And I don't think we are necessarily doing it together very well. I don't know that I am. But I think that's the calling for us. I think that's the calling for us. The example is Jesus. He's the one who laid down his life. That was the expression of love. That is the expression of life. Greater love has no man than this. And he would give his life for his friends. Die. Die so that others can live. Now, Jesus did that in the ultimate sense. He died so that we can really live and have real spiritual life. But as we die to ourselves, we, we die so that we can love others so that they can flourish and live. Don't you love it when someone forgives you? Doesn't hold it against you. Don't, don't you love it? Don't you live when you're around people who forgot the past and what you've done and they don't have a record of it sitting in their pocket so that you can, once you say something or do something, they say, that's the way it's always been. You're always like that. Aren't you glad you can fail again and nobody brings up the last time? Just deal with this time. Don't you really live then? Don't you really live when you know you're being difficult and people are patient with you? Don't you know that when you're in a situation and it it looks bad that you can go to people and you know they're going to think the best? Don't you really live then? Don't you really live when you see someone you know has a different view about this or that and how you... And yet you see that they're not pushing that agenda on you at the moment. Do you really live to lay down our lives for our friends? He did it, Jesus. The night that he was betrayed, he took bread after giving thanks, he broke it. He gave it to his disciples and he said, this is my body, which is given for you. And in the same way, he took the cup, and again, after giving thanks, this too he gave to his disciples, and he said, this cup is the new covenant in my blood, shed for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this in remembrance of me. The apostle adds, as often as we eat of this bread and drink of this cup, we declare the Lord's death until he come. What are we declaring? We're declaring that he gave his life for us, that we may live. And we're declaring that as his people, we will lay down our lives for each other. Let's pray, Father, in your kindness and grace to us, you've loved us. Oh, my, the patience that you have shown, the kindness you have brought, the forgiveness that is ours through Jesus. How kind of you to keep no record of wrongs for those who've been forgiven. How wonderful that... You're not irritable, but you're long-suffering with your people. Thank you for Jesus, 
gave himself for us that we might live. He, the atoning sacrifice, taking the guilt of our sin upon himself, bearing the cross and all of its shame with joy that we may live. Please then cause us to live, to really live together in love for one another. Fill us, please, with your great love that we may love one another as Christ has loved us. And this I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.